Well, good morning. My name's Kyle. We're so glad to see you today. It's been a joy to worship Jesus with you and to experience, man, just witnessing uh, baptism together. And I'm excited to open God's Word with you. We are in week three of our series called In the Crosshairs. And if it brings a little bit of an intense um, kind of emotion to the, to, the, to the stage, we want it to do that because we believe with all of our hearts that we have an enemy and his name is Satan and that he's after us. And he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to wipe us out. At the very same time, we believe that we have a Savior who has conquered all, including Satan. And if we yield to him, we can experience victory in him. And that name of Jesus can bring us victory into our lives. And we can experience life and life more abundantly. But we've got to be on guard. Because our enemy, the devil... He doesn't care how he takes us out. He doesn't care what takes us down. He just cares that we go down. And so he's sending character assassins, if you will, to take me out and to take you out. Things like pride, things like lust, things like anger that we're going to talk about today, and things like greed. All to destroy our character, our future, and our relationships. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as we were in the crosshairs and kind of bringing this up into kind of um, where we live today with technology. We've got a red dot on our chest, if you will. That laser focus of a crosshair is on us. And we can't see it a lot of times. And we're praying that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is illuminating our hearts and our eyes to see where we are in danger. So what I hope is, over the last couple of weeks and over the next couple of weeks, that you begin to see what is going on and how you potentially are in danger. We told you as well that the series is not for the pretty and the perfect. It's for the bruised. It's for the battered. So if you, by chance, came to church today feeling like you're not worthy to be here, you're in the same boat as the rest of us. We did not show up today because we are worthy. We showed up today because He is worthy. We showed up today because we are desperate for a Savior. We are desperate for a Rescuer, and His name is Jesus. Well, today we're talking about anger, and um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe that this sermon series may not be for the rest of you, but it's for me. All four of these things that we're talking about, uh, man, God's just been speaking in in my life and into my heart. So as we talk about anger, let me give you some phrases that we throw out there that we use to describe how someone is angry or how we're angry. All right, so just, just track with me here. Um, they're hot under the collar. You ever heard that one? Um, she's foaming at the mouth. That's kind of like extreme, but sometimes it's almost true. Um, man, he's really been out of shape. They're ticked off. Whoa, they went through the roof. Um, they're as mad as a wet hen. Depending on where you're from, maybe he's having a cow or having a kitten. Um, some people call that a cat fit. I don't know if everybody heard it called a cow fit, but a cat fit. Um, going off the deep end, they're flying off the handle. Uh, they're going to blow a fuse. They're going to blow a gasket. They're flipping out. Um, somebody's got their panties in a wad. Y'all know y'all say that. It's one of the funniest ones, too. Um, I mean, they're going ballistic. Um, somebody on our team that has been around a few years threw this one at us. He was spitting nails. Y'all know that one? Um, do you remember this one? They're going postal. Some of you remember that, right? Um, 
She's having a bad hair day. He's having a conniption, which is a funny word in and of itself, but it's a neat word, having a conniption. So, so many phrases. Why do we have so many phrases to describe our anger? I think it's because we have a lot of anger and a lot of levels of anger that we try to describe and try to express. I think it's something that we wrestle with most days of our life. I think we have a lot of reasons, at least reasons that we think that we should be angry. So here's the question, okay? Here's the question. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? Well, if you're like me, it takes big stuff to make you angry. Let me give you some for instances. Um, the smacking of gum. <laughs> big stuff, I'm telling you. How about this one? The clicking of a pen. Can drive me out of my mind. Big stuff. Food being served cold. This is going to sound how it sounds. I honestly think I get more angry and lose self-control more over little nitpicky things than I do big things. Shame on me. Here's a couple of reasons why we get mad, real reasons why we get mad. You might want to jot them down. One is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. We wanted something, we saw something, we envisioned something, we expected something, and it didn't happen. Unmet expectations. And this next one goes with it, and it many times takes it to another level, but we, 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 we function this way a lot. Unsaid expectations. In other words, you didn't know what I needed from you, but I expected you to know what I needed from you. And when you don't do what I thought you should have known that I needed from you, I lose it. So unmet and unspoken expectations. A lot of people who make you angry, listen to me, they aren't intentionally trying to make you mad. As I look back at my anger and, and when I kind of lose it, most of the time, it is centered on somebody who did something who had no idea they were doing it to a place that it was going to make me mad. They had no idea that what they were doing was something that I expected to be different or thought should be different. I would go further and say that a lot of people don't even know that they're doing it. They have no idea that you're mad right now. You're mad right now at some people who don't even know you're mad at them. They don't even know. And you're like, man, they need to apologize to me, right? Like they need to come on their knees and they need to tell me they're sorry. And they have no clue that they have not met your expectations. They have no clue that you have this anger toward them. There are potentially good reasons why we get mad. Um, I'll throw a stat out there um, that I made up, but I think it's pretty accurate. Um, these good reasons why we get mad, they probably qualify for less than 1% of the reasons why we get mad. But we would call these good reasons for getting mad things like righteous anger or sanctified anger. Let me give you some for instances. So you see maybe someone who is living in poverty, especially if it's children, and that just stirs you up and that causes you to feel things. And ultimately you would say it causes you to get angry. And as a result, you do something about it. That's what we would call righteous. That's what we call holy or sanctified 
anger. You see someone being treated in a way that is unfair, someone that's being treated in an unreasonable manner, being demeaned or being put down, and that anger that we're talking about that is a righteous or sanctified anger comes up within you, and you do something about it. And so there's a good thing that anger can bring about, but most of the time, most of the time what we are wrestling with in our lives is not sanctified anger. It is a selfish anger. And I would say that's our underlying problem for most of us with our anger. It is selfishness. So if you want to write down what I think the number one reason is for my anger, and I would say for your anger and for your neighbor's anger, is selfishness. And so we need help and we need hope with our anger. Let me give you four ways people deal with anger. See if you can identify with one and or maybe more than one of these. Number one, the toxic waste approach. The toxic waste approach. Some people deal with anger as if they're dealing with toxic waste. They bury it deep and they think we're going to forget about it and everything's going to be all right. And we put on an appearance that everything is okay. But over time, anger creeps out and leaks out and it contaminates our soul and it contaminates our attitude and it contaminates our relationships and it even can contaminate our faith. And as it gets into our thoughts and into our minds, we find ourselves sick with this toxic waste that we thought we had buried, this anger that we thought we weren't going to deal with, but it creeps back up on us. Are you possibly harboring some toxic waste in your heart? Number two, the volcano approach. The volcano approach. Some deal with anger like a volcano. Anger works that way for a lot of people. No warning, just boom, it erupts. People around you are wondering when you are going to go off. They've seen you go off before. You're kind of maybe dormant right now, but there's some rumblings. There's a little bit of movement, and they're wondering when it's all going to go kablooey. Now, you don't blow up at everything, but when the moment's right and you have had enough come against you, you explode. You lose it. Normally about something that's larger, can be something about smaller, but it's a cumulative thing, and then you affect everyone around you when you explode. Volcanic people many times never apologize for their anger. They blow up, they do damage, they feel better, they move on, and they leave the damage behind. These are the kind of people we want to be close to, right? That one right there probably affected some of you deep in your soul. Because it's who you are and or it's who you're married to and who you are doing life with. And there are times that you're absolutely scared to be around them. Number three, the snow cone approach. The snow cone approach. Some people get upset and they immediately put on the big chill, right? Well, you made me mad, so I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to respond to you. I'm not going to give you anything at all. I'm not even going to give you a grunt, right? I'm going to give you the silent treatment. I'm going to put on the cold shoulder, and I am going to push you away. Icicles, nothing, nada. We love these people, don't we? Number four. Somebody laughed. Number four, the microwave approach. Some people express their anger like a microwave. Instantaneous response. Beep, beep. Beep, boom. Any chance they get to hit the popcorn button, they hit it. In other words, they just love to get mad all the time. It doesn't take anything for them to go off, and they go off often. They go off on the regular, if you will. It doesn't take much. Any little thing, and they blow up. So which one are you possibly? The toxic waste approach, the volcano approach, the snow cone approach, 
or the microwave approach. If you're like me, it depends on a few things as to which one I am at the time, right? Um, but we all find ourselves landing in one of these categories. Question. Need to consider this. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? In particular, when I'm wrestling with, dealing with anger issues. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Now, you can tell me what it's like to be on the other side of that person, but that's not the question. What's it like to be on the other side of you? What's it like for me to consider what it's like to be on the other side of me? Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and verse 27. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. Ephesians 4, verse 26. It says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. So a lot is being said in these couple of verses of Scripture. One, we are being warned about sin when it comes to our anger. And that if anger, my anger, gets control of me, I'm going to move into the arena of sin really, really quick. So the question is, do you have control of your anger or does your anger have control of you? We're going to get angry and there's going to be reasons why we can get angry and sometimes some reasons why we should get angry. The question is, am I in control of my anger or is my anger in control of me? Because once it moves over into control of me, I'm going to move into some sinful stuff really, really quick. So again, are you in control of your anger or is your anger in control of you? He also gives us a principle in verse 26 about dealing with our anger ASAP, as soon as possible. Look what it says. Deal with it before the sun goes down. Don't sit on your anger. Don't push your anger aside. Don't think, I won't be any big deal, and I just won't deal with this. Eventually, it's going to get you, whether you stuff it like some toxic waste or eventually you blow up like a volcano. If you don't deal with it and deal with it as soon as possible, it's going to get you. Um, the guy who's writing this, his name is Paul. When he's writing this, it's interesting to know that he's in prison. And he's in prison having been accused of things he was innocent of. And he's writing to us from prison having been accused of things he hadn't done, in prison for things that he's innocent of, and he's telling us, don't be angry. If there's a guy who ought to be entitled to being angry at this point, it ought to be Paul, right? He gets what entitlement looks like, but he says, you know what? We're going to step above that. We're going to do things differently, and we're going to choose to not let anger have control over us. Just because you have a justifiable reason to be angry doesn't mean you need to let anger control you. There are many people sitting in prisons today, not because they're innocent, because they're guilty, because they allowed anger to get control of them. There are people today who don't have jobs anymore that they once had because they decided to let anger get control of them. Last name Garrett can't apply. Some of you that watch football know what I'm talking about there. But it's not funny, is it? It's not funny. Anger gets a grip on you and you lose your mind. You do things that you would never do before. 
Some studies reveal that the angrier you, the angrier you are, the writer you think you are, the writer, the, the more justifiable you are in everything you do, the less clear thinking that you have when you're angry. There's a bunch of people who have way less friends and relationships today because they had a reason to be angry. Notice verse 27 there on the screen. It says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives foothold to the devil. And so we've got this door, if you will, and you get a foot in there, and that door tries to close, and it can't close because you've got a foothold on it. If you go deeper into what this word really reveals, it actually means giving someone a room, giving someone a spot, giving someone a guest room. So when I choose to be angry and allow my anger to get control of me, I'm actually giving the devil a guest room in my life. I'm giving my number one arch enemy who wants to take me down a spot in my house, in my home, in my life. How many of you are going to invite an assassin over to spend the night? Right? Your name's on the hit list. You're like, you know what? You just take the guest room. Everything will be all right. No, you don't do that. And yet we do it all the time when we allow our anger to creep in. Big idea this morning is this. Anger is at the door. Protect the door. Anger is at the door. Protect the door. And I know you've had this conversation before about protecting the door because you all grew up in a house. And you all had somebody in my life, his name was Dad, who said, shut the door because the mosquitoes are getting in. Or, different season, shut the door. I don't want to pay to have to air condition the whole neighborhood. Shut the door. You're letting the cold air in. It's freezing in here. Guard the door. Protect the door. Don't let it in. Before you go to bed at night, if you're smart, you make sure the door is shut. You make sure it's locked. You don't think anybody's coming, but you're not going to take the chance of it. Listen, you may be having a good season right now. Everything's rocking along. In fact, this week, man, I was really focused on anger and how I don't need to be angry. And I had plenty of opportunities to be angry. And the Spirit of God, I think, helped me not be angry. And then Saturday came. I'm just telling you, I got, I got angry yesterday. I have four kids, and don't take this wrong. I have a wife. I'm not saying that she was the issue, but I'm saying I got people in my life. And if you have any people in your life, you have opportunity to be angry. It's just going to happen because they're going to do things you don't want them to do. They're going to do things you told them not to do. They're going to do things you didn't tell them not to do that you thought they ought not do because they ought to know you well enough that they ought not do it anyway. unspoken expectations, right? And here we go, and sparks are flying. Sparks are flying, and we got to protect, we got to protect the door. Question, are you given, giving an assassin a room, a guest room in your life? Are you giving an assassin a guest room in your life? Are you allowing anger to come into your life to get control of you, to move you into a sinful place, but more than just a sinful place, a, a life or death spot by allowing an assassin to move into your life. If you've been around any time at all, any time I talk about anger, I always give this because it's something that sticks in my mind. It's something I've struggled with my whole life, and God's had to teach me and grow me in, so it's just a phrase. I speak it over my kids all the time. I speak it over myself all the time, and I'm doing that now, and I want to share it with you again. Anger is just one letter from danger. It's just one letter. 
If you are angry, you are on the verge of doing something very, very dangerous. Because in your anger, all like normal way of thinking goes out the window. And you become this person that everything's about all of a sudden. And you feel like you are the most righteous person in the world because they did you wrong. And it's a very, very dangerous place to live. Anger is partnered up with some other lethal assassins like revenge, unforgiveness, bitterness, and rage. And so if you are wrestling continually with anger and you're allowing into your life, possibly one or more of these are coming alongside with it. Revenge, unforgiveness, bitterness, and rage. In Scripture, there's about 15 verses, about 15 verses that link anger with fire. And it gives this illustration how anger is like a fire. As I was thinking about anger, and I was thinking about fire, and I was thinking about danger, this is what came to mind. I think we had a picture coming on the screen. Yeah. Smokey the Bear, right? Smokey the Bear, always saying, the fire danger is high, the levels are high, Please be careful. Only you, who? Only you can prevent forest fires. Who can prevent them? Me. Sparks are going to be there. You're going to have campfires. All these. Only you can prevent them. Only you can take the bucket and make sure that it is completely out before you leave the campsite. Only you can make sure that you don't let sparks fly so that wildfire doesn't go. Only you can prevent wildfire, wildfires. So some of you are thinking about anger, and you're thinking about struggling with it, and you're like, I can't do it. I just, I can't. Like, I get angry, and I just kind of, I fly off the handle or whatever word you want to use there. I just get angry, and I lose it. I can't get over it. I can't turn it off. How many of you, how many of you have ever gotten into a fight with your wife or with your husband or with your kids on the way to church on Sunday morning? Come on now. How many on Sunday morning it's happened? Some of you are like, this morning? Right? It didn't happen to me this morning because I rode to church by myself. <laughs> but, but we, right? O on the way to church, right? On the way to church, something just doesn't go right. Everybody's running late, right? Just all that, and it all comes out in the car. You know, beating on the steering wheel, whatever you got to do, just, and then you get out of your car, and maybe the walk across the parking lot is kind of cold, kind of frigid, if you will. But by the time you reach the first person that's standing out here with a smile on her face to greet you, you say, oh, hello, it is so good to see you too. What did you just do? You chose to turn it off. You could argue that that's hypocrisy. Maybe so. But maybe, just maybe, you are proving that you have the capability of turning it off. You have the capability of saying, you know what, for this moment right here, I'm not going to choose anger. I'm going to choose to turn it off, and I'm going to interact in a way that looks like I'm acting like a human being and maybe just maybe like a child of God. Maybe you are showing that you've got some self-control. Maybe you are revealing that the Spirit of God lives in you to do something in you that you normally can't do yourself. Maybe, just maybe, you have the ability with the Holy Spirit's help from God to turn it off and set aside your anger. 
maybe, maybe we need to schedule more times to worship Jesus. In other words, if you're driving to church and you're having that fight and you get out and coming in here into this place with other believers to worship Jesus, like kind of changes your attitude and changes your outlook, maybe, just maybe, we should schedule more times to worship Jesus. Now, what do we mean by that? Should we have more worship gatherings? I would say this, there are some of you that need to make coming to be with the body of believers much more of a priority in your life. Because when we come here, what do we do? We recalibrate, right? We allow the Spirit of God to speak things to us and to adjust us. Uh, it just, it's just amazing. Some of you need to get connected with an HC group. You need to get into a regular rhythm of hanging out with a small group of believers that can impact your life. You need that. But, but what if... What if maybe then scheduling more worship gatherings and maybe uh, having a small group six nights out of the week, what if into our just regular rhythms we scheduled more opportunities and moments to worship Jesus? Once again, you ever been in the house and everything's kind of going crazy, and I, I assume a lot of you do this, maybe you don't. Our house, we do. We pray before we eat. And there are plenty of times that we have to get really, really loud to make it known that we got to get really, really quiet so that we can pray before we eat. And we hold hands, whether we want to or not. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you're, you know, like you're kind of praying, you kind of got your eyeball halfway open, and you still see some fighting going on over there, or the cold shoulder, or whatever, and that's just me and Terry. And so anyway, <laughs> as a mom or dad, you ever stopped in the middle of prayer? Like, all right, eyes open. We ain't going to pray. We're going to stop for a minute. You have a little talk, right? And then you go back to praying. And there's just a different attitude after you finally get through that moment, right? What did you do? You just, you, you scheduled a time to worship Jesus. You scheduled a time in your home to worship Jesus. And it helped for just a minute to recalibrate and remind us who we are, who he is, and how we're supposed to treat one another. So what if, what if we just in our lives... So I assume you're like us. I assume you're busy. We're busy. We're busy in our home. Uh, and, and I'm convicted about this and moved by this. I mean, we have four kids. I work. My wife works. Uh, we got Elf Club going on, whatever that is. We got chess club. We got sports. We got birthday parties. We got teeth to be brushed. We got homework to be done. We got a one on Wednesday night. We got holidays coming up. We got bills to be paid. We got a dog to be fed. We got a turtle that needs a bath. And yes, we have a turtle. And yes, he needs a bath. We have HC group coming over. And oh yeah, that school project is due tomorrow. It's always due tomorrow. And then you reach the end of the day, and what's your, what's your, what's your mentality? We just got to get everybody to bed. Like, that's just like the hurdle you got to get. We just got to get everybody to bed. I don't know if it all got done or not. We just got to get everybody to bed. If I'm going to make it another day. And so that busyness, right? And we allow ourselves to become so busy that we don't allow any space within our homes and within our families for the Spirit of God to have room and space to work. But we're going to be angry and we're going to put our foot in the door and then we're going to swing it wide open and say, Satan, come on in and have a guest room right over here. I'm not too busy to create a guest room for you in my anger, but I'm too busy to say, you know what? I'm slamming that door shut. I'm not saying yes to your anger and your stuff. And Jesus, I'm opening the door to you today and you cannot just have a guest room. You can have the whole house for a few minutes. 
And if you're a singing family, sing a song. If you're a praying family, pray a, pray a prayer. If you open the Word of God, just read the Word of God. I don't have a moment with Jesus to allow the Word of God to have its just resting and, and redemptive effect on your life. You need that individually as well. Some of you are waiting until next Sunday before you open the Word of God again and have a moment with Jesus. You need to have moments with Jesus. What if we just chose to have the discipline of worshiping Jesus in those tense moments? I can tell you without a doubt, and she's sitting right here, and so she could agree with me 100%. Unequivocally, moments with Jesus in prayer are how Terry and I are still married. We've been married 15 years, and some of you have been married five months. Some of you have been married... Uh, 55 years, some of them longer, back and forth. But I'm telling you, our 15 years, and we're still making it, I'm telling you, it's because of moments with Jesus in prayer. We've had those tense moments, those hot moments, those angry moments, those hurt moments, those heated conversations, those stupid thoughts, probably, pointing here, stupid words, volcanoes erupting, snow cones being served up everywhere, don't know what to do. And most of the time, we come to this conclusion, one or the other says, you know what, we just need to like press pause on that, and we need to pray. And both of us are like, we don't know what to pray, but we need to pray. It's not about the prayer we pray, it's about the person that we're praying to, who can do a work in me that I can't do myself, who can do a work in her that she can't do herself, and we need these moments, and it's got to happen. There will be plenty of sparks that will happen within the family. There's going to be plenty of sparks going to happen at work. We've got to decide, are we going to fan the flames? Are we going to pour some gasoline on it, pile some kindling up on it, reminding ourselves of all the things they have done to build up to this moment so we can get a big old fire going and the rage can go? Or are we going to say, you know what? Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm stomping this thing out. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. Proverbs 14, verse 17. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Short-tempered people do foolish things. I would suggest to you that me in my life, most of the things I've done that have been foolish and have been, uh, have been sinful have been connected to my short-temperedness. Pride, lust, anger, all these things that we're talking about, they are closely related and they run in the same groups. They just do. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Sensible people control their temper. Sensible people control their temper. It doesn't say they don't have a temper. It doesn't say they don't get angry. It doesn't say things don't, don't bother them. It doesn't say they're unflappable, but it says they choose to control their temper. And as you read the whole story of God, you know this has got to happen through the Spirit of God. So we can just go further with sensible as we read the whole story of God. I would say spirit-controlled people control their temper. They control their temper. And look, they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Some of the people I have the most highest regard, most high regard for in my life, they're people that just somehow choose, they choose to overlook wrongdoings. Let me tell you one of the people that I hold in most high regard in my life. She's sitting right there. It's my wife. She has the ability not to stuff, not to stow. Those things are another issue. But I'm talking about she has this ability to overlook the wrongs. She just has this ability to do it. Sensible people control their anger. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Anger, it's a frequent guest in our homes. 
It hops in the car with us. It slips into our bedrooms. It joins the foursome at the golf course. Pops its head up in interactions with our kids. It's in our shirt pocket at work. Pulls in the parking lot we wanted at the store. Has season tickets at the football game if anybody's there. Release valve got hit last Sunday, right? Like, whoo, I feel better. Praise the Lord, right? Some of your anger got released last Sunday. We get angry about big stuff, don't we? Big stuff. Some questions. Here they come. Some of you need to ask these questions, okay? Why am I getting so angry? Why, Why am I getting so angry? What's my deal? What is it that's leading me to this place? Why am I giving the devil a foothold in my life? Why am I getting so angry? What, what else is it? I'll say this to you because I'm talking to myself when I say this. If you have anger issues, you have other issues. If you have anger issues, you have other issues. And the Spirit of God's got to address my issues and he's got to address your issues. Why am I getting so angry? Next, am I in control of my emotions? Am I in control of my emotions? And you could flip that, or or are my emotions in control of me? Am I in control of my emotions? Next, why have I been exploding more lately? And what's been causing this to happen for you? You you need to be aware of that. You You need to see the red dot, if you will, that laser crosshair focused in on you, and you need to recognize it so that you can move out of its way. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 again. Look at verse 31 and verse 32. This is how Paul, who's in prison, who just told us through the Spirit of God to not get angry and let sin get control over us and to give Satan a foothold. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Get rid. Choose. Make a choice. Make a conscious choice. Just like you do before the garage sale. I don't need that anymore. I'm getting rid of that. This isn't worth anything to me anymore. It's in the way. I'm getting rid of some stuff, okay? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Did you see what just got coupled in there with all of that? That's the reason why I told you earlier that if you have anger issues, you probably have other issues. Look what it says. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. That's all anger stuff. Slander, anger stuff, as well as all types of evil behavior. He just kind of like, and everything else that goes with it, all your other junk, Instead, be kind to each other. That sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? How many in the room, like, you just think about people being kind to you. You just kind of smile a little bit. You're like, man, that'd be great. Like, honestly, there's some people in the room, you're like, I wish my spouse would just be kind to me. Right? There's some parents in the room. You're like, man, I wish my kids would just be kind to me. There's some kids in the room. I wish my parents would just be kind to me. Instead, this is, this is believers. This is who we're supposed to be. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Woo! Just as God through Christ has done what? What has Jesus forgiven you of? Good answer. Everything. He's not holding out on you. He's like, all that but not that. That's not how he works. He's like, I died for all of your sin. And I've forgiven you of all of your sin. And you and I have done some very ugly, 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 ugly things to Jesus. And he has chosen 
to not just merely say, I forgive you, but pay for the very sin that we committed. And so that's the example we have in Jesus. And if we're followers of Jesus, that's the forgiveness we have. And if we're going to forgive somebody else, it's got to come from that forgiveness of Jesus. And so be reminded of who you are as a believer today. And I want you to know that if you're not a believer yet, if you're not a Christian yet, all, all, all of your sins can be forgiven, including that one. And, oh, yeah, that one too. He can forgive you of all of it. Believers in the room, this is how we get along with other people. It's through the gospel. The gospel wasn't a moment in time when we were 8 years old or 23 years old where we prayed a prayer. The gospel should permeate all of our life. The way you're going to make it in your marriage, the gospel. The way you're going to survive parenting, the gospel. The way your kids are going to survive your parenting, the gospel, right? Like it's the gospel. It's the death. It's the burial and resurrection. In our lives, all the time, Jesus overcoming everything that's against us. And so how can I forgive? Because Christ has forgiven me of everything. How can I set aside my bitterness? Because Jesus isn't bitter against me. How can I withhold my rage? Because Jesus chose to accept all of the wrath of God upon himself on the cross. Do you understand? That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was accepting all of the rage of God against our sin on the cross. He took it all. He suffered there physically, spiritually, emotionally. So that we could have forgiveness and so that we could have hope. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So it's very likely that some of you need to forgive somebody. Like you need to go to them and you need to make things right. There's some of you, you need to forgive somebody who's never, ever, ever, ever going to tell you they're sorry. And I know the way we work. I'm going to forgive them when they tell me they were wrong, when they were sorry. Guess who, guess who all this is holding hostage right now? Not them, it's you. It's you. And the assassin's just doing a work on you, just, just taking you out. Just taking you out. And you need to forgive some people. Get rid of some rage. Anger's at the door. Protect the door. A couple next steps to consider. Consider what it's like. I need to consider what it's like to be on the other side of me. Maybe that's what you really need to wrestle with right now. And maybe for you, your next step is just to consider Jesus, all he's done for you, all the work of the cross, all of the gospel, the overcoming everything so that we could be made different, be reminded that he's for us and he's coming for us and he's relentless and he loves us. Mm, Just consider Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning I have made a feeble attempt to speak about this dangerous thing called anger. But your attempt to free us from anger was not feeble because you, Jesus, went to the cross for our anger, for our sin, for our junk. And so, Jesus, we look to you right now. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. It begins in you and it ends in you. You are our redeemer. You are our rescuer. You are our savior. And it's in you in which we find our hope. So we come to you now saying you're our hope. You're you're our hope in the midst of our anger, in the midst of our unforgiveness, in the midst of our bitterness, in the midst of our rage. And we choose today just to set it aside. 
not because we want to be a hypocrite, because we don't want to be uh, an explosive device. We, we want to set it aside and allow you to change us. We're going to admit where we're wrong. We're going to admit where we're weak. And we're going to say, you are in control. We want to protect our house. We want to protect our hearts. We want to protect our families. We want to protect the people around us by slamming the door on anger and saying yes to you, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.